2: Hey, welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot.
1: This portion of the show is supported by MN350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice.
2: Hey, I'm here with uh, Zoe Allen and Hope Flanagan. Hope Flanagan is a community outreach and cultural teacher at Dream of Wild Health, and we always are excited to have Ho- Hope and I'm always excited just to talk to Hope Zoe. Um uh, thanks for getting Hope. Uh she's a live wire. She's always busy storytelling out in the community so this has been a, a really uh uh something I've been really looking forward to. Hope, welcome as always to Native Roots Radio.
4: Well, thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Uh it's just a joy to see people that are out there doing the work and certainly robert and zoe you both are at it i'm really grateful for that
0: yeah.
3: i think that's
4: a, a crucial thing in this time that we're in that we work as a tribe that we all support each other and lift each other up and work together
2: yes we appreciate it too and uh it's been a, a diamond in the rough here to get zoe to work with us at native roots radio uh as you know i've worked with her father for the last few years on the store and now Zoo is always an artist in her own right, and also a real big part of Native Roots Radio now. So we're really excited uh, excited for this partnership, and it's excited exciting to see the young ones do a step up. And I know you've had a lot of alumni over the years with a uh, Dream of the Wild Health that are out there in the community, and I think a lot of it starts with uh, your help and and what you got going on in Dream of the Wild Health.
4: I remember Zoe being just a a little girl and being out there at Dream of Wild Health. So um, it's such a, I I hope, I hope whatever we can do to lift up our young ones, whether they're little bitty young ones or, you know, younger than me, um, that we can support them and help them do whatever they have it in their heart to do. And they can see that we're we're in this together we're doing we're doing this to help each other to lift each other up so yes it's always a joy when i see wow that's awesome that young <laughs> one is so and i so i know Zoe's no child anymore but what a treat to see her growing up and doing this work
2: exactly what do you have to say to that Zoe
1: Oh, miigwetch, Hope. You were one of the first people in my life who taught me, you know, Jibboi language. I remember being at Anishinaabe Academy way back and you came in and taught us Waboos Naboob and such good stories. And so that always stays with me. I remember doing plant walks with you, too, down by the Mississippi when I was like six years old. So, oh, yeah, no, I, I love to see you still doing this work.
4: Oh, Thank you. It's in my heart.
2: (laughs) It definitely is. And and there's uh, a thing, hope that I always think of when I think of you is passion. And uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about not only what you do, but what Dream of Wild Health does, because we're all over, uh, we're on 11 stations live and in the Twin Cities, and we have a big audience and a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, people that support us, not only natives, but we have a lot of white allies out there. And so let's, Talk a little bit about what you do at Dream of Wild Health and what is Dream of
4: Wild Health? Um, I'd like to start with a little bit of the history of Dream of Wild Health. Uh, there was a couple of um, Sally Ogier and her her husband was John. And the two of them had started two uh, shelters for Native folks. And, of course, both of them were Native. And one of the shelters was the Thunderbird Nest And that was a wonderful program for people, for Native women coming out of domestic abuse situations. And then they also had a program for Native men coming out of prison to adjusting to be out of prison. And John and Sally found that when they worked with Native people to get reintegrated, to start to feel better about being out in the world, that they had a garden. And when people had their hands in the soil, and Growing food and seeing the results of the food they were growing, there was this healing that started, and that really that really got Sally going. Another beautiful thing that happened with that was Sally was uh, after she started Dream Wild Health as a, a very small, very small practice at first, just getting a little bit of a garden going. She was reached out to by um, by a Potawatomi elder. So we were really fortunate. Cora Cora Baker from over in Wisconsin had a beautiful, big native seed collection. And her relatives at the time weren't interested in growing out the seeds. So some of the seeds were sitting in jars or in little pieces of cloth or in coffee cans. So for the longest time, there were these beautiful seeds that were saved from different tribal communities. And so um, that seed collection was given from Cora Baker to Sally Oj. So Sally, and then uh, right after that, Diane Wilson, amazing artist from our community. Those two got together and they started working. They had a small farm uh, south of the city's past Apple Valley by Farmington. And they started seeing, oh, look, there's such, a need for good healthy food and for our people to be out there and right around that time Ernie Ernie Whiteman came together with this group and they started looking at land and they found the original 10 acres up in Hugo Minnesota so that's where um, they purchased the land at Hugo and it just flowed it wasn't like, like there was a lot of impediments that they found like hey this is really working. And somewhere in there, I started to, to work. Sally wanted me to work and I said, Sally, I don't know anything about farming. She said, no, we'll have the cultural parts and we'll have the the wild plant parts. Because even in the languages, even in Ojibwe, you'll hear the Awasiag are the wild ones and the Awakanag are the domesticated ones, or it literally translates out into the enslaved ones. A lot of the people that I knew at the time, a lot of the elders um, were from areas where there wasn't enough soil to raise corn, beans and squash and some of the other um, traditional garden plants. So we started working with the youth and we first our first farmer had a shovel and she <laughs> would ride her bike out there to uh, Hugo. And then it just kept snowballing from there. And it's been quite a journey. So now we have, uh, we bought an additional 20 acres and we're putting up a processing plant because um, we keep getting to produce more and more food and we're restoring the soil so uh, now we're working on a capital campaign because we're building a, an incubator farm. So we have the, the total of 30 acres. And now we have uh, uh, setting up a system where people who are interested in learning how to be farmers can have everything at their fingertips to get started to become farmers. So um, it's quite an interesting process. We still are working with the young ones. And we're trying to get the young ones from poor as kids, eight years old and keep them going, keep them going into their teenage years where they can become interns. Um, as soon as they turn 12, they can start earning to see what it's like to earn a little money to work in the system. And then they can become interns and then they be can, can become uh, market workers, um, farmers, seed keepers, Uh, There's a whole range of different opportunities now. We always have an intern with our chefs and in the um, youth program as well. So we try to nurture them, nurture them until they can do what they want to do. I mean, there's so many opportunities in the field of food. So we know food is medicine and Mm -hmm. food is you have to have clean food, clean water, clean air. That's what all, all of us have to have. Same with the plants. They need the same thing we need. Same with the insects. All life needs that. Clean water, clean food, clean air. Now for the plants, their food is the soil. So there's all kinds of information being found out about like the old stories were true our native folks knew you had to have that soil healthy or the plants weren't going to be able to come up
2: hey we're here with hope flanagan a community outreach and cultural teacher at dream of wild health Uh, we are really excited and we'll be right back after this short break Uh, you're listening to native roots radio presents i'm awake
3: Your Blue Line extension project wants to hear from you. We are working on extending the Blue Line light rail into North Minneapolis, Robinsdale, Crystal, and Brooklyn Park, and connecting it to our growing transit system. Tell us about your neighborhood, your business, your family, and what you need from Your Blue Line. Learn more and share more of your story at yourblueline.org. That's yourblueline.org.
5: You're listening to Native Roots
3: Radio. This is Spirit from Reservation Dogs. Get up and listen. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> become this big powerhouse uh, in hey welcome back to native Brits radio presents i'm awake and i'm your host robert pilot
1: this segment of the show is supported by the minnesota indian women's sexual assault coalition
2: Hey, we are here with hope Flanagan and uh Zoe I didn't realize you had such a a long relationship with hope that is really awesome. I just see hope in the community um outreaching and um just i love talking to hope and uh she's a Gemini too so i you know we were talking hope and I were talking about I was the evil twin and she's the uh the good twin of the Gemini sign so <laughs> good to see you hope. <laughs>
4: It's good to see
2: you too, Robert. Hey, hey let's get down to the brass tacks, uh, Hope. What do you do uh, for a dream of wild health? And maybe you can even talk about what you used to do because you touched a, a little bit about that, that you started out and now that you've uh, become this big powerhouse uh, in wild, dream of wild health. What Do you want to go from the beginning to uh, where you're at now?
4: Sure. When I first started at Dream of Wild Health, that was 15 years ago. Um, I was working mostly with the youth, and we we did not have people with farming experience on hand. It was a very small group of us, um, and we were looking at how do we get Native people to change their diet so they can get a healthier diet to, you know, like address some of the... The food issues that happened through the whole um, the whole period of time where we we didn't have access to our old lands, our old foods. So to try to get away from the commodity bodies that we had, where we weren't able to live in a way that supported our physical being. So I remember many years ago, we talk about you know young people don't always hear about the balance between what we're trying to seek, and it's a, it's a continuous thing, is to can try to find balance spiritually, physically, mentally, and emotionally. So um, to kind of restore access to some of our food ways was our original idea, um, but it, it wasn't an easy thing because when you come into a, an area and you say, oh, gosh, you all haven't had access to some of our old foods in so long, how do we restore that connection with food? So for young people, that's what we started with. It was we Ernie and I did a lot of work with how do we expose people to some of our old foods and get them to change their palate? And one of the things we found is when young people grow their own foods, and when they cook with their own foods, when they prepare their own foods, that's where the change starts to happen. So either you start really young, which um, I did that this past week, we were, well, actually, it was a week and a half ago. We uh, Chef Derek and I went to We Choye Nanda Gekainen, and those were two to five-year-old students that in the Ojibwe immersion class, and we brought them smoked duck, cedar smoked duck, smoked salmon and smoked salmon skin so at that age they're not like resistant to like oh my gosh that's not macaroni and cheese or, that's not fry bread which yeah. some of those things that you might love them but they might not be good for your body so um when we go with that when like oh check out this smoked duck it's one of our old foods it's delicious and the two to four year olds They loved it. They were eating it up like, wow, this is amazing. So when we see these young ones and we're preparing them to, well, what do you want to do with your life? Do you want to be a chef? Do you want to be a farmer? Do you want to be somebody who uh, works with teas? Maybe that's what your, your emphasis is. So there's so many directions you could go with, with food. So that's how we got started was started small. And then we started an increase and, Recently the last four years we hired uh Jessica Greendeer. She's from the Ho Chunk community. Oh. And she's... Yeah. <laughs> I think you've heard of that tribe, Robert, right? Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> They're the people of the groovy sacred voice. Ho wow.
4: Jessica is extremely knowledgeable about plants, and uh, she did work with uh, the Ho-Chunk tribe with their food systems So, as a farmer, so she's very knowledgeable. And since she came on board, we've really expanded our farm team. So last year, we grew 12.25 tons of food, and wow. it went right back into the native community, so there's several different avenues for the food to go back into the native community. We have uh, um, food shares, indigenous food shares, and some of them are still available. So if any, any of you people out there are, are looking for um, accessing some of our food that we grow out at Dream Wild Health, it is available still. So the I'm- IFS.
2: How does that work? Uh, Do I buy into a share and then get food? Is that how that works?
4: That's exactly how it works. And a lot of times we'll have people from different native communities that will say, hey, we want to get our young people or our clients or whoever um, cooking and working Mm -hmm. with clean foods that still have a high nutritional value to them. So they'll get a share or a half share or sometimes different agencies might have quite a few shares and then they'll work with uh, teaching about preparing food. How do you prepare food on a limited budget? How do you prepare food that's highly nutritious? How Maybe you want to be a high end chef, you know, and uh, I know last year we had three of our students that were working at Oomini just wow. doing some of the higher end chef work. So um, that's- it's all across the board.
2: That's exciting, I just want to ask a quick question that you mentioned uh, young people's palate, and I know uh wendy you know wendy my wife is uh vegan, so my palate's changed over the last uh twelve fifteen years and how is is how does somebody that's maybe used to eating macaroni cheese and fry bread and pizza change their palate? is it just a practice or how 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 does that go about
4: i for me, what I've seen is um over the years, I'd say, gosh, I'm not sure how many years, we have a, a nutritionist that's on staff at, at Drew Wild Health, Alan, Elena Norris. She's from Red Lake. And now she'll be joined uh, with Vanessa, um, who's also Ho-Chunk. So she'll be working this year, too. But we also have guest chefs. And one of the things we always have to do is have vegan options. So for our young ones... They have breakfast there every day, every morning, and then they'll have a lunch that they help prepare. So they get to see how do you prepare vegan foods? You know, like how do you make it tasty? How do you explore flavors? This year, we just finished a cohort with the Indigenous Food Lab where we're working on our cookbook committee, where our young ones are making a cookbook. We've done that in the past as well. Where they experiment around, but now with the Indigenous Food Lab over at the Global Market, um, we could they could come in and test out their recipes and see what do we like. How does it? How do you like it when you tweak it this way or you know change it a bit? So we're always trying to get them to try different things, you know, like experiment with different flavors.
2: Do you uh, have? Uh, you know, my real job is I'm a representative for Ho Chunk Nation. Do you have, yeah, right on. And do you have, uh, watch what you pray for. Hope you might get it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, uh, so do you have any kind of capacity to run a, uh, uh, you know, some, bring somebody and walk them through what you guys do out there is, is, is there,
4: uh, well, we do, um. Actually, this week is our final week for signing young ones up for our Garden Warriors and Chorus Kids for the summer program. And we are filling up for our Friday Volunteer Day. So on Fridays, we'll get different agencies that come out that want to see, what is this? How do you do it? How do you get people engaged and involved? Um, One of the things that has clearly been fascinating is all through COVID, we stayed open because even though there's COVID, there's a need for food, you know, and there's a need for clean, healthy food. So that didn't disappear. So we found ways of keeping the kids safe, keeping the youth safe, the garden warriors, of course, kids, and making sure we just had hand washing stations, a lot of uh, making sure that the food is food grade appropriate and um, ready for the public. So yes, volunteer Fridays, you would contact Anthony at org.
2: Wow. I think I might try and try and do that and get out to see my uh, Ho-Chunk sisters out on at work too. That's awesome. So we, we got like a couple more minutes here and I just want to say how, how inspiring this is and how you mentioned earlier. And I know we talk about this here on Native Ritz radio is how food is medicine, and if we have that if we have that mindset, we won't be sneaking out to fast food and we'll be taking care of uh, just financially. I know Wendy and I eat out a lot, but when we cook our own food and vegetables here and mix it with some pasta, we just feel
4: better. That's the trick to it. I mean, if you notice that and I would encourage people out there to do give it a try. Like you'll notice like to me when I eat the way I know my body's designed to eat. Uh, Derek gave me some fish bone broth I'm going to get going on after we hang up here. So <laughs> I'll be mixing that with some uh, organic materials like uh, the, the summer squashes and um, I'm, I'm loving working with eggplant nowadays. So some of those kinds of things, we also have part of our program works with um tribal seeds and then we rematriate them and bring them back to the tribes where those seeds came from. So Jessica's got a green thumb for getting old seeds going again and we want to restore some of those seeds and we're also doing some restoring back to some of our old tribal trade routes and our old systems of let's work together you know like with the different reservations and different native communities.
2: Wow we're here with Hope Flanagan again.
3: Your Blue Line extension project wants to hear from you. We are working on extending the Blue Line light rail into North Minneapolis, Robbinsdale. Crystal, and Brooklyn Park and connecting it to our growing transit system. Tell us about your neighborhood, your business, your family, and what you need from Your Blue Line. Learn more and share more of your story at yourblueline.org. That's yourblueline.org. SeniorCommunities.Guide is your free online website to find housing, care, and resources for seniors in Minnesota. Use the powerful, award-winning search tool to quickly improve your search. You will have all the information you need to contact providers directly without any hassle. Start your search now at SeniorCommunities.Guide. And follow us on Facebook for interesting articles, helpful advice, and how older adults are changing the world.
2: Would you let animals pick your insurance? Do you really need to experience mayhem to get the best rates? Or how about a celebrity quarterback or fake university saving you money? There's a lot of marketing stunts when it comes to insurance, but what you really need is someone looking out for you. Call Array Insurance, and they will work hard to find you the best insurance coverage and rates. So avoid gimmicks and call Cheryl at Array, 763-504-3067, or ArrayInsurance.com. Array Insurance, working hard for you. Think your company's safe? Your staff is working from home, right? As I speak, cyber criminals are mounting attacks across the country. Remember, when we're weakest, cyber criminals attack. Hi, Mark Sommerfeld from Rymark. The Rymark team is guiding our clients through these difficult times. In fact, demand has been so high, we created an easy-to-follow guide. It's yours free. Download our five steps to securely work from home now at rymarkit.com or call 651-328-8900 for a no-cost how-to discussion.
3: Seward Co-op is now offering convenient self-serve and pre-packaged hot options and salad bars at both the Franklin and Friendship stores. Breakfast items available daily until 11 a.m. and brunch served all day every Sunday. Their weekly lunch and dinner menus highlight cuisines from around the world. They offer vegan, vegetarian, and gluten-free options daily. 95% of the ingredients used are organic from small-scale, local community food producers whenever possible. More at seward.coop. The appliance industry is suffering from major delays with shortages on the horizon. The
5: specialists at Warner Stellion have the area's best selection with thousands of appliances in stock for fast pickup or free delivery. Shop 10 Minnesota stores or at WarnerStellion.com.
2: With your AM 950 weather, I'm Brett Johnson. Look for partly cloudy skies tonight with a low around 35, Saturday sunny with a high near 62, and Sunday partly sunny with a high around 63. Clean ingredients and bold flavors are the hallmarks of 30 Bales in Hopkins. Their signature burgers, seasonal salads, and carefully crafted entrees celebrate the best of the Midwest. Located across the street from the Hopkins Center for the Arts at 1106 Main Street with plenty of free parking. More at 30Bales.com.
4: Anine, I'm Lieutenant Governor
1: Peggy Flanagan and you are listening to Native Roots Radio.
2: Hey, welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot.
1: This portion of the show is supported by the Native American Community Clinic, honoring health and tradition.
2: Hey, we're here with Hope Flanagan, and we're really excited. Uh, Hope's with it, Dream Wild uh, Health. And uh, Zoe, uh, why don't you uh, shoot out a question for one of your your former uh, mentor here? Um, this is really kind of a uh welcome home kind of thing for you it's it's really been fun to watch and listen to so zoe take it away
1: yeah so hope i was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about what you all grow over at dream of wild health and maybe like some of the ways you're growing it because i'm sure you're using some maybe traditional practices or moving towards that and i think that's just really incredible um for people to hear about so
4: Well, thank you, Zoe. Thanks for that question. Um, Weather is a moving target nowadays. And and people forget that the plants and the soil and the insects and the birds, everybody is just as affected by weather as the humans are. So um, it's a target on the move. So I know in the past you could have a little bit more assurance about like, well, what's your growing zone and what can you grow? But now you have to be more mindful about what are the water levels? What's going on with the insects? What's going on with the pollinators? Uh, because certainly climate change is affecting all those things. Uh, this, we noticed like in our area up at Hugo that there were some challenges with the winter squashes, um, with, uh, because of I- insect imbalance with, with the different climate changes going on but then you could see oh right as far as we can right now we can switch over to another plant that really is thriving so uh we could see that and it's fascinating to see which one of the the squashes can really thrive say for example you know from corn beans and squash but it's all over the map we have a in the past, we've had a solanaceous area that's like tomatoes and tomatillas and uh, peppers and all kinds of solanaceous kinds of plants. Um, we have a uh, herb area that's the different, like I think we had four at least four different kinds of basil, uh, where we had all these different seasonings. So we also grow out uh, our front area is the is the rare the rare seeds. But if I went from the back, the very far back is our pollinator meadow because um, the honeybees are not doing well with the contaminated soils, contaminated pollens. So it's the native bees big, strong native bees that are out there doing the hard, heavy lifting. So it's been fascinating. We, we work with the Bee Lab and the Xerxes Society. Um, we're working with them to see what can we do to keep our pollinators as healthy as earthly possible. I recently had a chance to speak with um, Heather Holm, and she's doing all sorts of work on what native insect is pollinating what native plant. And that was never defined before. So our, our back area is still all pollinator meadow to support uh, native prairie plants and native pollinators. Then as you come forward, we have an orchard. We have a fruit orchard. Now last year was tough because uh, right where we live, where we have our farm in Hugo, it was flooded to the north and drought to the south. So oh. depending on the fruit type, you know, say you're looking at elderberries that need a lot of water or red willow or, you know, that's uh, uh, Cornus sericea, that they need a lot of water. You know, so you'd say, OK, but then there's other ones like we have one buffalo berry that's doing well, but uh, that's because it doesn't need as much water. So you're going to be looking at what can these plants do in that area or are Pollinator area is right adjacent to the orchard. And then we come into all of the plants that we grow for the community. So there'll be areas that switch out. One year we had eight different kinds of uh, purple potatoes. So we were looking at the nutritional level being higher, but which ones were best suited for our soil. Mm. Uh, we focus on um, no till. Because now we understand humans are understanding the less you till the more those communities of biotics the tiny microscopic organisms they live in a community and when you stir them up they like to die and now we're finding a lot of humans that have uh degraded um systems um because they're their digestive systems don't have the bacteria in there that they need to break down food. But also if the soil is depleted, then the, so- the, the plants don't have what they need to produce the nutritional level that their ancestors produced. So that's that area there. Then you come closer and we've got our, our farm circle. I've got a little patch to the side where it's all wild and medicinal plants. Um, I kind of, left it go wild because I want to see who's going to show up with climate change and who can't handle it. So it makes sense to kind of be monitoring. I do that on a big scale too. Like I'm always out in the woods and I'm always seeing who's showing up and who can't handle the climate change because we're definitely seeing that happening. So then at Dream of Wild Health, we've got our kitchen kitchen where everybody can come in if they're working. And um, in the past, we've always had our youth have some time working in the kitchen with the chef and the nutritionist. And then we have our cooking area, our eating area out front. And um, now we have across the road, we have the additional 20 acres. It's kitty corner from our 10 acres that I've been talking about where we're putting in that food preparation and our food sustenance area to encourage farmers to continue to grow. Um, I think the vision needs to be for all of us that food is crucial mm-hmm. and our old food systems might not be able to take what climate change is dealing out. Yeah. So Wow. It's, need, crazy.
2: Yeah. Oh, but it's crazy. It's crazy. It's uh, crazy because we're going to have, we had a drought last year and especially up North and how you talked about half your, half your garden was oh, it had too much water and then the other half uh not enough. Um we're going to have tons and tons of water down the river here in the next 24 hours, 48 hours. It, it is that what climate change is giving us? A lot of water and then some years no water? Um or is it just just crazy?
4: It's it's even more than that because we're not factoring in storms and wind and um flash Flash heat. I mean, we, you know, that's another thing to consider. So humans are going to have to be thinking about it's not, food isn't just political. It's being affected by, you can't just say, oh, this people, they're being, they're charging too much for their food. And of course, even the animals, like you say, well, the eggs are so expensive. Well, the bird flu is out there because of climate change. And -hmm. we're seeing, well, the deer are sick. Well, yeah, the deer are sick because of climate change. So you're going to see this pattern. So people need to really understand, make your own garden, you know, Mm -hmm. get in touch with people that are keeping a garden, make sure that you have relatives. So we're looking at this rebuilding the support systems Um, You'll see it in Indian country for sure. We're thinking about like, let's help each other out and make sure that there's food available. Even things like wild rice. Some of you, you all know probably that wild rice struggled this last year because Uh of the the temperature. Um, But I noticed, and we did this, I know I did this last year. There was a subspecies that came up from the Prairie du Chien area and has made it into the twin cities and now is North of the twin cities. So I went to, um, uh Shakopee and their land manager over there Farron Davis Anderson we took the Dakota folks out ricing for the first time in over 100 years so they had rice but other areas had none because of the climate fluctuations
2: yeah that's what we were talking about at the fair is that uh that you wouldn't tell me where this wild rice was in the Twin Cities. No. Oh.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you want to see it, go to the old Cedar Bridge across the Mississippi. So um, you'll see it. It's 13 feet tall.
2: Wow. It's it's
4: really tall. So you can't think of harvesting the old way you used to harvest. So it's different things you have to think about. If you really want to see it, too, I mean... I'd love to see some political effort going into harvesting some of the rice that grows on either side of the Mississippi from Lacrosse down to Prairie, Prairie du Chien, because that's where there is quite a bit of rice. But that's helping the, swan, the swans, the muskrats, the beavers. I even remember uh, ricing with Dennis Jones's mom, and she goes, oh, this is a moose swallow, because the moose are benefiting from the rice. Wow. So, wow
2: amazing uh this is i'd learned so much when i when i talked to you uh, hope hey one of the things right now hope just to change gears a little bit uh it's a sugar bush season here and um talk to our audience a little bit about about that process and uh, what's been going on here uh, in the twin cities and all over turtle island
4: oh we're very very fortunate uh last year was tough because you know the tr- the trees are dependent on the weather too, and last year we the trees were tapped out there at Porky Sugar Bush. Um, that's for a Little Porcupine. Uh, that fellow that ran that was from Leech Lake. Uh, Porky Porky White started that, and it was yeah. with. Uh, um,
0: the Red programs,
4: School the Red Schoolhouse. House, that's right. So that's over fifty years. I think that's been going mm-hmm. on, and there is still people that worked it back then over there. So we're not young anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you to Deb White and to uh, Teddy Teddy Gray Owl and Jimmy, her brother. They're out there all the time getting that syrup. This year we we're having a, a, a bumper crop. So what happened last year was there wasn't enough water. So the trees were waiting waiting waiting. We had it tapped for 3 weeks and nothing was coming up.
3: Wow. And then the
4: last 4 days there was sap. So but it was only for 4 days out there. Wow. Wow. This year we've been we've been harvesting for it's it's going on uh, quite a bit of time. It's over 4 weeks. So because of the snow and the fact that the trees held on to their trees are going to hold on to their gift. Like just mm-hmm. every li- every living thing has a gift. And those trees held on to their sugars last year. They didn't really release them so they could survive. This year, we were able to make quite a bit of sugar, and they're still processing the syrup. So uh, go out there this weekend, and next weekend, too, they'll be out there processing the sugar and thanking the trees. You always start with a week home game where you thank the trees at the beginning before anybody tastes it and then you thank the trees at the end after we get to enjoy the harvest
2: wow that that that's amazing and it's amazing that uh i noticed a lot of people have come out and visit porkies and other sugar bushes to support it's a it's a festive time for us here um and i've even noticed hope what's really funny uh People in my neighborhood even are tapping trees, which is which is right on. You know that I got to find the right tree for us. But hey, you're listening to Native Roots Radio presents. I'm awake, and we're here with Hope Flanagan. We're gonna end the show with Hope. This has just been really excellent. We'll be right back after this short break. Please stay with us.
3: Hey, Twin Cities. Are you trying to move your side hustle to your main hustle? Having trouble leveling up your back office? Getting stuck on where and how to get money to grow your business? Then you don't want to miss Connect Up Summit Friday and Saturday, April 14th and 15th at Walder Foundation in St. Paul. ConnectUp is a two-day summit offering hands-on workshops and connecting small businesses with each other, local investors, as well as local and national resources to grow your business. You'll get to meet more people in the small business ecosystem in two days than would take you two years to meet on your own. ConnectUp sells out every year, so get your tickets today. Go to connectupmn.org. Follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn to get the latest updates. Again, that's Friday and Saturday, April 14th and 15th at the Walder Foundation in St. Paul. That's connectupmn.org. Connectupmn.org.
0: Hi, I'm Jane Fonda, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio.
2: Hey, welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot.
1: This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves Protecting Wolves for Future Generations.
2: Oh! Hope didn't uh, howl. i surprised. <laughs>
4: Next time, next time. Right, cool. I'm a snapping hey. turtle. That's my plan. <laughs> <laughs> we howl very quietly.
2: <laughs> awesome. Hey, Zoe, uh, why don't you take over here a little bit here? I know you got a couple questions uh, that you'd love to ask, uh, Hope, and uh, take it away, yeah, Allen.
1: Yeah, so kind of a two-part question. Um, one, I'm wondering if you can give us, like, an Ojibwe word of the day, for today. Um, And then two, um, maybe we could talk a little bit about some other plants that are coming out right now for springtime. Um, And I know you had mentioned in um, our emails um, about seagull egg picking, and I'm just really curious to hear about what that is.
4: Sure, Um, word of the day. I get asked to do prayers a lot at different agencies and different programs. And I try to always do prayers the way that I heard my elders do prayers. And uh, the way you do that is you create a, a globe of intent. You talk about the four directions, the mother earth and the water world and the sky world. So in all those worlds, there's there's spirits, there's living beings. Um, your Niji B'madizik, your fellow living beings that are just as alive as you are. So that insect, that blade of grass, everything is just as alive as you are. Your Niji B'madizik. So um, you're, you're getting their attention because you're doing your thank yous. You're putting down your Sema, your tobacco because you're thanking all those living beings. We as humans, we're the last ones here. We're not the top of the heap. We're the bottom of the heap. And in our Adazukanog, in our legends, you'll hear we are the very last ones here. And our elders, the insects, the trees, the plants, all of them look at us and go like, oh my gosh, they're cranky babies. (laughs) So one of the legends that I love to tell that I heard both from... Own a kingbird I also heard from uh it's a beautifully was told by um some of the elders other elders up at Panema like Anna Gibbs it talks about being the last ones here we don't know how to thank and pay attention to our elders so we get demanding and we want everything and we want it right now and so we don't <laughs> yeah. pay attention to the fact if we take all the trees we don't breathe we take all the plants we don't have water. We kill all the insects. We don't have food. So um, as cranky babies, we have these giant egos. So one of the things I want to share is, that means I am thankful for him or her. In Ojibwe, it's not so much about, is it a she or a he? It's about is that being a living being or not a living being, an animate being or an inanimate being? So if I say, or you're saying, I am thankful for, and then you can fill in the blank or you can put it in the front. You can say, uh, that would mean I am thankful for the insects, you know, because without Um. them, we don't live, you know, or, or, the trees, I'm thankful for the trees. So um, always being mindful that we're giving our tobacco as offerings before we pick anything. When you start your day, we know that you flourish more. And Maybe this sounds selfish, but it's true. When you put out your thank yous and you remember to be grateful, you're going to be happier. Yep. So every day, start with your tobacco. I I start with my same. And when I say tobacco, I, I'm almost working with the inner bark of the red willow. Um nice. ch- uh, You know, mescal or chinchasha. So that is for you know your being thankful and your work in making that red willow is the currency of the spirits because they see you mean it it comes from your heart it comes from your hands it comes from your body you're taking your time and your love and your energy to honor those beings
2: wow it's- hope uh we we don't have a front yard here anymore in uh in saint paul we have uh, uh we we redid it where we have uh plants coming up yearly plants and uh it's But we also talk about No Mo May here in the Twin Cities and all over Turtle Island. And you're hitting on that, and you've been hitting on that the whole show. And I just want to throw that out there, that how important it is for us as maybe inner city people to remember No Mo May and all our little bees are doing their thing, and we don't want to rake them up. And and you talked about uh, the farms where the grading isn't happening now because of the what we're doing to our other uh, relatives the insects
4: yep and right now when you think about it um, a lot of our native pollinators overwinter in those brittle brown stalks those hollow stalks so when you look at say any of the anything in the goldenrod family there's probably insects overwintering in there so um, our native pollinators need to have space to live through the winter if they're in there or they're in that that uh, leaf litter, or they're down below in the first few layers of soil. You just gotta respect them because they're they're making it through the winter, just like us. Um, I've already started my spring plant walks. this past weekend was my first plant walk, which the snow was up to my knees, but we were doing a plant walk, and right now there's it's always, always picking season. So the last few weeks I've been picking uh nettle stalks that's the woodland nettle. Uh, mazana- is one way to say that in Ojibwe. is It's uh, talking about how it's prickery, but if you pick it now, you can process it for making fish nets. That uh-huh. elder named Ignatia Broker, she was the one who showed me that many, 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 many years ago. Um, so that's ready. I think I picked 200 of them recently. Um, they just look like a little stick sticking out of the ground. The Balsam poplar buds are ready. The cottonwood buds are ready for making salves. Um, The down by the river, the garlic mustard, which is an invasive species, is great for making pesto. I had an intern that collected it. People say, I want to get rid of my garlic mustard. Turn it into food. I had an intern that picked it and sold it to Alma Restaurant because they wanted to use it for making pesto so mm. try to think about how can we turn this challenge into a benefit so um oh yeah it's well, always
2: Zo- about that zoe we got less than uh two minutes here any final final thoughts uh uh any final questions for hope
1: Oh, I I was wondering if you could just share just like a small like explanation of seagull picking and then if you could just say <laughs> the Ojibwe boy word of the day one more time for us.
4: Sure. Um we're coming up on the time where the seagulls are be- going to be laying their eggs, the seag- the herring gulls up north, um, this is way up north, and into Canada, you'll see those little islands that are rocky and maybe have one little pitiful tree on there. Maybe not. Maybe they don't even have that. Some people call those ghost islands, and those are nesting sites for herring gulls. And you'll see a cluster of um, eggs, and usually it'll be like four. Um, they're larger than they're about a little bit larger than a duck egg. They're greenish blue with brown spots on them they're really beautiful but if you think about them like you do with a chicken egg if you take one the gull is going to lay another one so you know that's how it works with chickens so at this time of year this was a big um, wonderful experience that people would go out to those islands and look for the herring gull colonies and pick those eggs and they're delicious they have a slightly different flavor that's one of the things we look to at dream wild health too is like, okay, let's try some of these wild foods and introduce some of these foods to people who've never tried them. So, wow. What could you do with that slightly different flavor? So.
2: And what, what's the word of the day before we let you go?
4: I am thankful for, and then fill in the blank ahead of that word or after that word. So, maybe wow. you want to say I'm thankful for Zoe. ma Zoe.
1: All right. Nimigwechuweinama, oh, oh, Hawaii. Beautiful.
2: <laughs> hey, you've been listening to Hope Flanagan and Zoe Allen. Peeny Gigi, for everyone out there listening, you've been listening to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake. We'll see you next week. Ho. <laughs>